quickly send amazing looking emails to your prospects and customers in just minutes. AWeber is the market leader in making email marketing powerfully simple for small business. Visit aweber.com for a 30-day free trial. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Ben Shapiro. He is, I'm going to call him a modern renaissance entrepreneur. Um, he may not like that title, but I'm using it anyway. Um, I really don't even know where to start because uh, uh, his list of accomplishments are long, varied, impressive, and I think probably needed for right now. So um, welcome, Ben. How is that for is that is that like the weirdest intro you've ever had for you? I don't remember the exact title, but it sounded flattering. And I, I honestly, I, I am very flattered to be on the show. And uh, coming from you, it, it means a lot. I, uh, I honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and excited for the opportunity to chat with you and uh, and talk to the people that are listening to the Duct Tech podcast. I'm a, I'm a big fan. So, so you, as I said, you're into a lot of things. You've done a lot of things, um, and and I think that's what's so cool about where the world we live in today. What is possible? Um, if somebody asked you what you do for a living, how would you describe that? Yeah, it's been a a funny question for me to answer for the last few years um, since I left my last job. I would have said. Um, I was a marketing consultant um, up until probably about two years ago, where now I, I really say I, I run a podcast or I'm a podcast producer. But generally, I work in marketing, run a consulting business, and, and make a couple podcasts related to marketing. Yeah. All right. So you and I met on the MarTech podcast, I think. Uh, I was on – wasn't I on your show? Yeah, you were on the Martech podcast. I, I remember it fondly, but I but I decided to check because I did about ninety over about thirty days. It felt like um, when my last sounds, sounds like it, but <laughs> it, was, it was a great episode. So uh, um, tell tell me about your network, though. So that's is that kind of new? Yeah, actually, the the consulting network is uh, a little old. I guess the story goes. I I don't want to interrupt you because I do want to hear about that. But don't haven't you started a podcast network? Oh, the podcast network. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. I well, I'll I'll take it back and I'll tell you a little bit about the first network and then the second one. the The first network I basically flamed out of running uh, the marketing department at early stage startups. I got tired of it. I just didn't find like it was the right work-life balance for me. And so I started a consulting practice. And part of that was a consulting network. And that actually led me into the idea of the podcast network. When I was running my consulting business, I got into this position where I was able to make enough money to run a successful business you know, as a consultant, but I wanted to expand. And to do that, I needed other consultants who were specialists that I can go and find work for. And eventually through hooker by crook. Somehow I ended up in the podcast business. I'm happy to tell you about that as well. Um, but I ran into a very similar situation where the MarTech podcast started to build authority and audience. I was able to monetize it, finding great sponsors. And I actually ran out of inventory to sell. So I needed to go either create more shows or meet more podcasters and, and try to help them monetize. And that's really the phase that we're in today, or at least we were planning to be before the outbreak of the coronavirus. And so now it's a whole new world order, but. Uh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I kind of found myself in the, in the same boat and I just, you know, I was doing once a week show. I'm doing three a week now because there are a heck of a lot of advertisers and sponsors that, that want the exposure from, from shows that get, uh, get some listenership. So we'll see where that goes uh, <laughs> as well. But uh, I actually, in 2003 started, the 
what was probably the first blog network. Um, it was really just like 10 or 12 other people that, uh, that saw me blogging and I said, well, come blog on, you know, my site as well. And, uh, I created all these type pad blogs. Do you remember type pad? Um, <laughs> as, as a part of it. And, uh, ev eventually, you know, as blogging kind of took off, I think a lot of them, you know, were, some names that you would actually recognize that kind of went, huh, I should be doing my own blog. Um, so I, I kind of let that go. But uh, I think the whole network concept is in, in podcasting is uh, still in its early days. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely how I feel about the podcast landscape is there's still plenty of room to grow for professional podcasters. And, you know, I started off as uh, an amateur and an enthusiast and it's sort of grown into a profession over the last two years. We've been doing the MarTech podcast for two years now and it went from once a week like your show originally to you know now we publish seven days a week and we have new pieces of content five days a week and we republish some of our greatest hits on the weekend yeah so at what point again i know you don't have a definitive answer to this but at what point do you feel that kind of like blogging got saturated. I mean, are we at a point where, you know, podcasting is going to be saturated or is that just kind of the, the portable format that people want? I think that um, my advice to companies is to think of a podcast like they think of their blog, where at some point it just becomes table stakes. When blogging first came out, there was a question of whether brands needed to have it. What were they going to put on their blog? Why would anybody care? And now it's just table stakes. And to me, it's a different format of content. It's a little bit of a different audience, but you know, the medium, sometimes people want to read, sometimes they want to listen. It just depends who they are and what the content is. But I do think that every enterprise brand is going to need a podcast. You know, influencers are going to have them. It's not just going to be their Instagram and Facebook and Twitter profiles. It'll be their podcast as well. And that's definitely where I started my let's call it an influencer business. We focus on meeting marketers and telling their stories. But you know, that very much is starting with our podcast. And now we're expanding into, you know, some other channels, trying to build community in Facebook and Slack and some other tools that we're working with. No, I completely agree. I think what, I think a lot of people got hung up on blogging because they saw it first as like these personal journals of people. And what it really evolved to was just content and content housing and content management. <laughs> and so I think, I think podcasts in some ways will be that because they kind of used to be like, Oh yeah, I'm a radio DJ now, or, you know, I'm a host of a show now, an interview show now. And I think that it's just turning into portable audio content that is going to be seen in a lot of uses. It's all content, whether it's video, whether it's audio, you know, whether you're writing it, it's all the same business. And, and some of the same, you know, factors that make people successful really do transfer over between all of them in terms of speaking to a specific audience, publishing consistently high volumes of content like if you're going to be on Twitter or if you're going to be blogging or if you're going to be doing a podcast, whatever the medium is, that consistency, having a tone, knowing who you're talking to, providing value, that's going to help you in whatever venture or business you're running. I'll tell you another benefit that I've been preaching for a long time is uh, access. You know, I started my podcast not because I wanted to have this huge following or certainly not to monetize the actual element of podcasting, but it gave me, uh, I would interview people that wanted to be on my show that I wanted to talk to. Um, and I think a lot of people underestimate that additional value. Yeah. I'm just, I was just going to say just the idea that, you know, if you sell to mid-level CEOs or marketers or whoever your target market is, well, 
you know, interviewing them is a great way to get access to them. Yeah, it gets a little bit into the the purpose of doing a podcast. I think that there's a couple different um, reasons why people should create any sort of a content business. You mentioned access. Obviously, that's an important one. And I think that for most B2B brands, that's really what they're thinking is we're going to create a podcast because we want to go have our prospects be guests on our show. Uh, that's actually where the MarTech podcast started. I was running my consulting business and I wanted to raise the visibility and profile of that consulting practice. So it was not just leads that are generated through my professional network. You know, the people I already knew, I wanted to go meet new people. Um, and then it started to take off and I decided to move towards a different model, which was the sponsor supported advertising driven model. Um, but yeah, there's most B2B and SaaS brands. That's really what they're doing is you know, going and using their podcast as a reason to build a relationship. It's kind of a pre-sales call. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think that, I think people, you made that point of, I think you need to think about what your model is, you know, and there's so many, you know, unfortunately there's a whole lot of people out there selling courses, get rich podcasting. Um, and you know, that, that, that may be a tremendous avenue for some people, but I think it's it's also if people get caught up in that and don't think about how this fits into their existing business model, I think they're probably going to be chasing the wrong thing. Yeah, I think about monetization very differently than I think most podcasters and you know our model. Most people that are running monetizable podcasts, if it's not through lead generation, if they don't already have a business that they're trying to gain interest and influence with. They're thinking about advertising on a CPM model, um, and so that's a cost per thousand downloads. And the rates generally in the podcast sphere today are twenty-five to fifty dollars CPMs. So you know, for me at the Martech podcast, it took us eleven months to go from zero to ten thousand downloads a month. If we sold our inventory at a twenty-five dollars CPM, we're what is that twenty-five hundred bucks a, a month? Uh, hopefully, I'm doing the math right. Right, it's it's not enough to pay the rent, at least where I live, the suburbs of San Francisco. That, that just doesn't pay the bills, um, and so we had to come up with creative ways to show more value to our sponsors, to obviously raise the amount that they were going to pay us, but also help them with attribution and really integrate into their overall marketing campaigns. And you know, obviously, the the content and format of our show is kind of unique, but not groundbreaking or world-breaking, our monetization and sponsorship model is very different than what most other shows are doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, we get those, you know, from ad agencies and stuff and it's kind of like, you know, we can't really sell our inventory for that. And fortunately that's been one of the values of, of building a brand. And I think that that's certainly people want to, people want to have access to your audience and not just CPMs. I think when you build a brand. Well, it goes back to, you know, understanding what you're trying to accomplish. If you are going to create a podcast that is has the ability to reach millions of people, the CPM model makes a lot of sense. If you're in marketing, you know, what's your total addressable market? Maybe there's 100,000 marketers in the U.S. I, I actually haven't gone into LinkedIn sales navigators and looked at the total number I should. But it's not a, a huge, it's not millions and millions of people. So, you know, they are valuable and there's lots of people that are willing to invest budget into reaching marketers. That's who my audience and your audience are. Uh, but the CPM model is just broken because the number of people that we're trying to reach will never get large enough for us to say, I've got 5 million people listening to this episode. So I'll take $25,000 per episode. We need to think of different ways. And that's where we got into our 
advertorial content and content syndication and some of the other things that we do. With more than 20 years of proven success, helping more than 1 million small businesses around the world, AWeber's powerfully simple email marketing solutions make it easy for you to connect with people and build your business. Quickly and easily build lists of contacts. Create amazing looking emails with a drag and drop editor. Send and automate email sequences and newsletters and analyze your email performance with AWeber. Start growing your business through email marketing today by starting a 30-day free trial at aweber.com. Let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk about guitars. Talk about guitars? Would love to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We're going to strumschool.com, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are going to strumschool.com, which I was uh, not familiar I'm, with. I'm a guitar player, and uh, I just was like, holy cow, this is awesome. So tell me the story of that. Oh, my baby. My firstborn. Uh, I was working at eBay and I was on like this beautiful little corporate career trajectory. I'd gone from like an account manager to managing business development to learning a little bit more about broad internet marketing. And I started working on the SEO team, bouncing around the eBay internet marketing team. And it was a great sort of enterprise, big company, B2C experience. The eBay alumni network is strong and proud. And it just wasn't for me. Um, and I, I loved working at eBay, but I wanted to go be more of a maker. And all the cool kids at the time were, you know, my age, mid twenties were jumping ship from the big companies to go work for hot startups. And I honestly couldn't get a hot startup job because I didn't have any experience really with ground level marketing. I was doing business development, managing the relationship between HP and eBay. It just didn't translate to small businesses. And so, I decided I was going to start a side project, a content business that was um, teaching people that were interested in learning how to play the guitars, beginners, um, how to play the guitar through videos. And then the monetization strategy was going to be um, connecting guitar students and guitar teachers through live video lessons. And this was kind of right at the beginning of Google Hangouts, obviously before Zoom, Skype was kind of a thing. And so I, you know, jumped off the uh, jumped off the cliff and decided I was going to run my own business and teach the world how to uh, sing and dance. So, so where does um, where does Drum School sit today? Um, I own the domain. I actually have a WordPress site which I believe is broken. So if you went to strumschool.com today, it's one of those things that's was a side went from a full time project to a secondary source of income to a the site's broken and I need to fix it. So I still have the t-shirts. And that's that, you know, I made every first, um, first company founder mistake I could burn cash, you know, took it from the wrong people, was underfunded, didn't have a great roadmap, wasn't testing enough. I, I, you know, everything that every first time starter founder does, I made those mistakes and strum school is my badge of honor for, uh, you know, it was essentially my hard knocks business school. Well, and and I suspect you learned a tremendous amount. That was, you know, that was cutting edge at the time you you did it. I think as as far as uh, you know that there's a heck of a lot of uh, buy lessons, you know, kind of thing people out there now. But uh, yeah, it taught me the value of of testing and and validating hypotheses. Um, you know, the lean methodology and the agile methodology, all the things that I try to practice today, weren't things that I really knew about. Um, when I was doing strum school. So I just thought I was, you know, uh, not that I was Steve Jobs, but hey, I have a vision. I know my vision is going to be right. I need to build it all 
and you know eventually people will come and I burn through a lot of capital building things that I didn't need to build instead of saying, hey, how do I start small, figure out if people are interested in what I'm doing, and then try to add on. You know, I, I honestly didn't have the duct tape methodology where it's very much what I do now is like build a system. Yeah. Duct tape something else onto the top of it yeah. Yeah. and, you know, try to make it as tall as I possibly can. Yeah. No, that's, uh, uh, you know, you let, you let your customers teach you what they want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I made all the mistakes. <laughs> so my real question, though, is did you ever attend an eBay Live? Uh, I did. I was at eBay Live in Las Vegas. I think I was 25 or 26 years old. My recollection of it is uh, is minimal. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty crazy. Uh, I, I actually spoke at eBay Live in Boston and then they did, um, and I think there were like 50,000 people there. It's crazy. But uh, <laughs> but then they did these, uh, um, they did these, started doing these regional events. And so um, I, in fact, my next guest that I'm going to interview, Mike Michalowicz, uh, good friend of mine. Uh, he and I spoke at about six. It was like we were on a band tour. We spoke at like six of those and uh, um, they, they were a lot of fun. But uh, I think those days uh, with eBay are over, aren't they? Yeah. You know, eBay has changed a lot as an organization and um, it's always going to be near and dear to my heart. It's really where I started my technology and marketing career. The eBay lives were different for me as as somebody that was working in the organization. And the purpose for eBay Live for people like me was to make the realization that the sellers were real people, right? And and they were small business owners and getting to meet them and show appreciation and try to teach them and, and, sh- and show them behind the curtain of what was happening at the eBay headquarters was something that built a lot of trust between you know, the seller and and the corporate community. It was a very important lesson and something that, you know, I tried to bring forward into the businesses I run today is really have an appreciation of who your customers are. Going into the MarTech podcast, we're always asking for our listeners to come be guests of the show, you know, we're reaching out for feedback, answering people's questions, doing whatever we can to sort of support them because they're the lifeblood of our business. I actually had a little fun in the early days. I, you know, I, uh, you know, before people realized they could sell books on online and things, uh, I, I knew, biz- I knew which business books were good business books and, you know, these libraries would be getting rid of them for nothing. And, and so for, for about a year, uh, I, I set my wife up selling business books uh, on on eBay. That uh, <laughs> that uh, that was back in the easy days before it got competitive. The good the good old arbitrage system. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> A lot of these libraries didn't didn't know what they had, you know. So, um, any rate, the I've been asking this question. We're recording this in the beginning of April, twenty twenty. I've been asking these two questions a, a lot. It seems like lately. Um, where are the opportunities right now? Uh, there's a heck of a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, that are going to be displaced. They're going to lose their businesses, uh, and they're looking for like, what do I do now? Tough question. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think that there's two things to think about. Um, first off, let me just voice my compassion for anybody who's been laid off, and and mostly the marketers that are out there. Uh, one of the things at the MarTech podcast that I'm trying to put together is anybody that is hiring marketers can come onto the show and talk about who they're looking for and just try to spread the reach. Um, and, you know, we're all sort of moving towards a, a digital model. And so hopefully that'll help uh, people find the right jobs. But times are tough. Um, and, you know, I think that you have to be scrappy. Uh, what I went through was nothing like what people are going through today have if they've been laid off. But 
when I went through my last career transition, I left uh, a role at an early stage startup and I didn't really know what to do career wise. And I, I thought I was going to be taking on short term projects just to bridge the gap until I figured out what my next role was. And, and I was honestly looking to be inspired and wasn't really sure what I was going to be doing long term. I was having kind of a career identity crisis, not being laid off. Um, but I ended up going independent and thought about what are some of the value, the valued skills that I can bring to an organization and how I would specialize and really turn who I was as a member of the corporate community into products. And so I thought about, you know, the thing that I do well is give brands a voice, help them understand who their customers are and how to validate marketing channels without, you know, blowing through their budget. And that really ended up being the backbone of my consulting practice was thinking about what the one thing that I really did at a high level, coming up with some products that, you know, is how I would describe what I would sell. Um, and then honestly, for me, going independent was very much about reaching out to my existing network. It wasn't how do I find these companies and build relationships from scratch? It was reaching out to the people that I already had relationships with and said, I'm you know, a free agent, essentially. Um, here's what I'm thinking about my career. Here's the type of work that I'm interested in, the type of organizations that I think I can add value to. If you're an influencer, you know, I'd love your advice. If you're a peer, I would love to catch up and, you know, see if you know of anybody that needs my services or there are other people that are already running consulting businesses. Are there any project that you need support with? And so I essentially went through an email outreach campaign when I first started going independent and it found a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of revenue just going through that practice of, I want to help brands get a voice, you know, business development and marketing strategy were my products and reaching out to the people I already knew 10 to 20 people a week. And I was able to drum up enough business to, you know, stay afloat and be successful to the point I wanted to expand into the podcast. And obviously today's times are very different. Um, but I think that the methodology of, you know, really thinking about yourself as an asset and how you would market yourself as a business and then, you know, engaging, you know, building a outreach campaign through email to the people you know. That's the way that I would advise people to go independent and see if they can drum up some work that'll at least bridge the gap until they find their next career stop. Yeah. And I think that that's super, super advice. And I know a lot of people come to me and they're starting a business and they say, what should I do first? And it's really just exactly what you said. I mean, start talking to people, start you know, going out to to your network. Somebody's probably got a need that that they're looking for what you do. And uh, that's that's super, super advice. So a lot of people are spending some time, maybe they have some extra time investing in themselves during this period. So I've been asking a lot of folks uh, lately on my show, you know, is there anything you're doing right now um, to invest in yourself, maybe in, in ways that you weren't doing two, three months ago? You know, I'm spending more time with my kids and, you know, by hook or by crook, I, I guess I don't really have a chance. I have a three-year-old at home whose school was canceled um, and so a lot of the things that I'm doing is is giving myself a pass to not work all of the time. And it's just sort of ingrained in me to go to work and be productive and just to try to develop and build. I, like I said, I, I wanted to be a builder, a maker. Um, and this is a strange time in our lives. And so, you know, I've had to adjust my schedule where I'm trying to get my son out 
uh, for three hours a day in the morning for us to get some exercise and to be outside and for us to spend some time together while my wife takes care of our newborn son because we had a baby six weeks ago. Um, and, you know, that changes the expectations of what comes out of work. And so rebalancing, you know, the purpose of life on some level is is one of the things that I've been trying to do for myself and just be accepting that, you know, times are changing and they're difficult and, you know, it's been an earthquake for all of us and, uh, you know, just try to accept and adjust. Yeah. And I think that, that, um, I think a lot of people are going to come out of this and think, you know, gosh, a lot of the stuff we've just been doing habitually, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm talking to people who are saying, you know, I realize I don't need to do that. Or why was I doing that? <laughs> and, and I think, I think some of those things will stick. There's a there's a marketing tactic here too. Uh, one of the things I just finished a um an interview for my other show not the Martech podcast but the Voices of Search which is for the SEO and content marketing community and I was interviewing a CMO of a SEO company called Search Metrics and you know the the lesson personally and professionally was to streamline right it, um, on a marketing perspective people are cutting back their budgets so what do you do you have to invent and invest in content and in, you know, strategy and analytics and build the foundation and change your expectations. And on the personal side, it's like, I have less hours. I have to change what my view of productivity is going to be and what my expectations are for this year. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all got to live through this together. And it's a, it's a tough time in life for, I think, everybody. And, you know, be grateful for the things you have. And, you know, a lot of people have it worse than I do right now, so I don't want to preach. But, um, you know, just try to go with the flow and build in some time for yourself if you can. One day at a time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Ben, thanks so much for stopping by the podcast. And uh, you want to tell people where they can find out more about your work? Yeah, um, absolutely. John, before I get into any links or anything like that, I love your show. And I, it's just great to be here. And I, I appreciate you and all the work you do. Um, I guess for people that are interested in me and my work, um, there's three places where you can find information about me. Uh, the MarTech podcast, uh, which you could just Google MarTech podcast um, or look at any of the app stores. Uh, MarTechpod.com is the website. If you're into um, if you're into SEO or content marketing, uh, more specifically, there's the Voices of Search podcast, which is VoicesOfSearch.com. Um, and if you're interested in my consulting practice or some of my experience, benjshap.com. Um, and Ben J. Shap is like the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook handle. So that's kind of all my social profiles. Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, hopefully uh, you be well and uh, hopefully we'll run into each other sometime soon out there on the road. And stay safe.